Today is actually a very important day. On my mother's side of the family, it's one of my uncle's birthdays, so happy birthday, Uncle Money. Um, my dad's side of the family, um, today marks the one-year anniversary of my grandfather graduating to heaven. And so I actually included a picture of him. You can see that on the slide. Now you may be thinking, why is this man in a trunk? My grandfather, he was a magician, and he actually started practicing magic as a, as a young boy and did it throughout his whole life. And so as much as I love this picture of him, I actually really love the story of how I landed up with the copy. You see, when I was living in Las Vegas, my roommate, she was a personal assistant to Chris Angel. And so she had lived with me some time, and you know what? She never took me to see a show. So I figured I could call in a favor. So I asked her, hey, do you think Chris would sign a birthday card for my grandpa? And he did. And so I sent it to him. When my grandpa received it, he called me, and he was so excited. And he was telling me, thank you. And then he's like, how did Chris know I was a magician? <laughs> and so I was just like, well, you know, I tell people. And as soon as I finished that sentence, he responded so quickly with, and do they believe you? <laughs> and I was just stunned and shook back because, to be honest, a lot of people had it. And so I was just honest with him and said, well, sometimes. So the next time I saw my grandpa, he took me into his office, also known as the kitchen, and on the table were all these binders. And so he actually hands me one of the smaller binders, and I open it up, and there's all these empty page protectors, except for one. And he had put this thing in there, which is my next slide here. And so it's a little bio about him, a little note from him to me. And in there is a tiny picture of my grandparents and my sister and I together. Now, I do want to say that may not seem like a big deal for him to put that picture in there, but my grandpa didn't have a computer. So his highest level of computers was like a DVD recorder. So this means that he had to go to like a Kinko's or something and get whatever size picture that was and shrink it and shrink it and shrink it because he fit it right there. But he did this. So that way when I told people my grandfather was a magician, I had proof. I could show them that I belonged to him. And so after that, we opened up all these binders, and we started going through different articles and things of his work, and I filled that up, but that picture of him in the trunk was the first one. But as much as I associate magic with my grandpa, there was so much more to him. And one of the things I am most grateful for is his value on family. Now, my grandpa, he knew it was really important to have the family stick together. And so, and I'm sure as a parent, one of your main goals and greatest wishes is that your kids would get along. You know, the Bible tells us that a brother is born for times of adversity, or simply put, families stick together in times of trouble. My grandfather made sure that the family would stick together. So even though the siblings would have disagreements, he would go to them and say, you need to go make things right. You need to be talking with them. And so I would say for my dad and his siblings, they have a very strong understanding of the reality of one another. And because of that understanding, and also in despite of it, they are committed to sticking together. 
and defending one another and being there in their, um, in their time of needs, no matter what has happened prior. But I mean, isn't that how we judge a family? By how well they get along? I mean, people will probably judge your success as a parent as how well your kids love you, how well they love each other, and how well they love people. But I mean, that makes complete sense. Because Jesus said, people will know you are mine by how you love one another. I can tell you this, this year before Easter, I remember praying and the Lord just really revealing to me that in this season, when we look back, we will determine our success by how we responded, how we responded as a church body. And I really believe this is the time, this is the time for us, the church, to show the world who we really are and who God has called us to be. But a part of me almost feels like I'm not sure if we're doing a great job as a whole. I've seen so many people attack their brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is a time that we should be coming together. As a body, we should speak, be speaking life into situations, bringing hope. Because what surrounds us is very temporary. And we know of a permanent promise that will last for eternity. The enemy desires nothing more than to separate us from one another. Because when he does that, then his voice becomes the loudest in the room. But when we're together, guys, we remind each other of who our God is. And in turn, that reminds us of who we are, who we're called to be because of him. And I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like we've been baited. We've been baited by the enemy. And I know maybe you've not jumped into some of these conversations or different things, and it seems like you can get attacked, but I was telling the group this morning, I kind of have this puffer fish reaction that happens quite more often than I thought it would. As you go and you read something or you hear something, and you just swell up, and then you just have to think like, just keep breathing or just keep scrolling, and you slowly begin to decompress. And I want to tell you something, something that I really learned about myself, because I was under this complete delusion that I'm an easygoing person, that I'm just go with the flow and whatever. But I've discovered that I have opinions, lots of them. And not just like lots of opinions, but like really strong ones. I don't know if any of you felt the same way. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do think we need to figure out how are we communicating these things? How are we responding to one another? Can people tell that we are followers of Christ? Can they see it in the way that we love? How do we start coming together as a church and not get baited into attacking ourselves? Because I was telling them this morning too, you know, I just have this visual, the body of Christ. And it really is almost like the enemy has grabbed a hold of our arm and is going, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? And just laughing, you know, and it's like, that is not how we should be responding. That's not how we should be acting. And it's just like, we need to tell the enemy, Satan, let go of your grip. So I want to talk about how to not get baited. And so um, I listed kind of just four of these things right here that we're going to talk about individually. What is in my heart? 
is what I'm doing good? Is what I'm doing, is it good or is it honoring to God? Do I understand the purpose of my platform? How am I expressing my opinions, my love? So on the first one, what is in my heart? When situations arise, no matter what they may be, we need to go to God and say, search me. Have the same cry as David did in Psalms 139, 23 through, verse, uh, through 24. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there are any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What is in my heart, God? Teach me to love what you love. Teach me to hate what you hate. Search me. Because the thing is, we know that our hearts, they can be wicked, they can be deceitful. I mean, think about the Last Supper. We have Jesus there with all his disciples, and they're having this very like intimate, precious time. And him knowing it's just only hours before. But he turns to them and says, you know, one of you is going to betray me. And how did the disciples respond? They all said, Lord, is it I? Is it me? Now, if you were at that table, one of the disciples, and not Judas, like, why would you even ask that question? But the disciples knew their hearts. They knew things that had been going on in their mind. I mean, we can even see times where Jesus corrected them when they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. But there were these other moments, these other times, the thoughts that flow through our heads and sometimes will distract us from what he's called us to. I mean, just think of the week prior, Palm Sunday. Jesus went to two of his disciples and said, hey, you guys, I want you to go to this house. There's going to be a donkey, and I want you to go and untie it and then just bring it to me. I'm sure their face just had like this expression of like, what? And then he was just like, no, 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 it's cool. Like, just tell them the Lord has need of it. I mean, like, I mean, who tells Jesus no? So they're going and walking. But I mean, imagine the thoughts in the conversation like, hey, man, like, do you know what our treasury is looking like? Did you just say we're running low? Like, why couldn't we just go and buy a donkey? Like, we're going to go steal someone's donkey. We're going to go. and We're going to take it like this could be the day that we could get thrown in jail, have our hands cut off. Like, and then I'm just supposed to be like, it's cool, guys. Jesus said. He has need of it. Now, I don't know if that really happened, but I could tell you if I was one of the disciples, those would probably be the thoughts and conversations that I would have. And then when it all worked out, even after I tiptoed up to the donkey to go and untie and go, shh, don't say anything, you know, and someone came. But just doing what God told me to do, just doing what God just saying what God told me to say, the Lord has need of it. And I'm just being able to walk away and think like, God, you are good. God, forgive me that I didn't trust you. Forgive me of all the thoughts and things that were going on in my head, in my heart. Search me. I definitely think that needs to be one of our first responses is search me, God. The next thing is, is what I'm doing Is it good or is it honoring to God? Now, you may be thinking, well, isn't that both? If it's good, it's got to be honoring to God. Because only God is good. And that is true. Only God is good. But the reverse is not 
what is good is not necessarily of God. And that is because we have changed the definition of good. We have changed it for times. We have changed it for culture. We have changed it for what benefits us. I mean, we all know that what may be good for me may not be good for someone else in the reverse. So I think we need to figure out the best way to do that is figure out what our filtering system is if we do have one. Because depending on our filtering system, one way is going to give the world more of God, and the other is going to give the world more of us. But no matter which way we're doing it, the world is going to come after us. And we're going to find out if we've been standing on a solid rock or have been in sinking sand. The question is, am I placing this? Am I placing God's word before me? Am I trying to press through it so that the words and everything come out before me? Are his words on the tip of my tongue, in the forefront of my mind, are they actually tattooed onto my heart? Because the other way of filtering is if I'm trying to get this and push it through me. Am I trying to take this to make it satisfy my thoughts, my actions, my words? And I think for us to take a quick assessment of that is, do I believe what this book tells me is true? Do I believe all the words that are in here? And I think for a lot of us that you say that we call Jesus our Lord and Savior, our automatic response is, yes, of course I do. Why wouldn't I? You know, and, and I think we need to ask ourselves again, do I really believe everything in here that's true? Because when this book tells me that God told Cain, he said, I can hear the blood of your brother crying out to me. Do I believe that he hears that for all of us? Do I believe when God says, vengeance is mine? Do I believe that he is the ultimate justice and going to take care of things? Do I believe it when this book says that my days are numbered? So that way, whatever is printed on my death certificate that says cause of death, I know the real response is, this was the day my father called me home. Do I believe that God really does have my best interest in mind? And John, he tells us if we abide in him, he'll abide in us because he abides in the Father and the Father abides in him. If I really believe that, then what's taken me so long to respond to some of the things he's called me to do? And so as we take that time to assess where we're at, it's okay to have these honest and real conversations and ask God to help us use the right filtering system. And to have the right filtering system, that will only come from constant and consistent time in his presence, time in his word, and time with his people. The next thing is, do I understand my platform? Now, this has probably been a word that's a little bit more popular since the rise of social media, but we have always had a platform. It has always been the people that God has surrounded us with social media some of us have been able to extend to another city and some of us to the other side of the world but I want to say if you have given your life to Jesus Christ repented of your sins renounced your ways and call him Lord 
then your platform is about doing what he has called you to do. Jesus told us a new commandment, a new commandment I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. John 13, 34. Jesus is saying, guys, I know you've been trying to keep all these laws and these commandments so that way you could enter in paradise. And you've been worried, have you been doing it correctly or is it right? But just listen, listen. Be concerned with, about loving people. Love people when it doesn't make sense. Love people when it's hard. Love people who hate you. Love when it isn't convenient. Love them all like I have loved you. The best way that we can do that is to love with action, with words, and with sacrifice. You know, John chapter 15, 13 says, The greatest love a person can have uh, for his friends is to give his life for them. Now, does this literally mean that we need to lay down our physical lives to show that we're loving? Well, for Jesus it did. But I think the deeper question is, are we dying to our selfish nature every day? Are we dying to our um, wants and desires to be able to serve God and to serve the people that he has called us to? You know, when this whole coronavirus thing first happened, Um, And we got the stay-at-home order. I knew a woman who got furloughed shortly after. And so she didn't just sit there and wallow about how I don't have a job. I don't know when I'm going to go back to work. But what she did was she reached out to other people to try to encourage them. And then she found out that there were needs. There were needs of those basic necessities that we were all looking for, toilet paper being one of them. And some was bread or eggs and and then finding out that some people didn't even have the opportunity to go scavenging, uh, doing a scavenger hunt in the grocery store because they were ill or other things that was prohibiting them from leaving the house. So I would tell you, this woman would get up in the morning and she would go to stores. And I want to say that again, stores, plural. It wasn't, I went here and I got what I could and so sorry for the rest of you guys. No, she went to go and find what these people needed. She helped deliver those items. And then she also helped organize for them to receive meals. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to some. I know it was meaningful for those people who received. But if we think about back to that time, and even though I feel like there's still a lot of, excuse me, unknown of what's going on right now with that virus, but it was even more unknown back in March. So we didn't know if we were going to catch this just by passing somebody or if I touched the same cereal box as someone else. And so every day she went and she was determined to do what God had called her to do, to love on people, to feed the hungry, and and just encourage people, love on them. And the reality is, in the best of times and in the worst of times, our mission has not changed. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is our personal opinions. Now, I, I think it is very important that we have a voice, and I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing you know, what you think is going on or feeling that you need to inform people. But I think we need a question about how are we doing this? You know, what is my motive behind it? Is my motive to be louder than you and just show you that I'm right by shouting at you? 
is my motive to think like, okay, I just got to inform everybody because only if they knew, if they just knew, then their whole life would be different and they wouldn't be acting dumb. You know, and we may be thinking those things, but how are we putting these messages out there? Are we going out there and saying, uh, guys, this is the way if you don't think that you're a complete moron. Or you know what? If this bothers you, but that doesn't blah, 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 blah. You're this way. I'm going to tell you now we haven't reached anybody. All we've done is created a fan base that people have already agreed with us. And those that don't have either just scrolled on by tuned you out, or maybe they've already unfollowed you because they know what you're like. Now, and we just have to remember that we need to communicate with love. If we really feel that people need to know something and hear it, we need to have a conversation with them. Not just be out there shouting. You know, we need to be effective You know, like I said, is our desire to express our opinions and prove we are right greater than our desire to love people where they're at? When we look at Jesus, he loved people where they're at. He didn't just go up and approach them and say, I'm Jesus, I'm the Lord, just do what I say. He had every right to, and that wasn't false, it was truth. He also could have gone up to people and said, I know everything you're doing and you're ruining your own life. Change. And walk off. He could have. It would have been true. But what does he do? And we see it over and over and over again. He goes up to people. He talks to them. He listens to them. And he says, you know what? There is a better way to living. And at that moment, the choice became theirs. It's always been a choice. Our call is to love one another. We have not been called to be spiritual or social justice police, writing citations for everyone that we feel has uh, done a violation. Now, don't get me wrong. There are going to be times of correction, whether we're receiving it or whether we're handing it out. But real correction happens in the form of conversations. It is not a public shouting match. And it happens with people that we have real relationships with. So otherwise, every other person that we run into, no citations needed. Just love. If I can call the worship team back up. You know, I know these have been difficult times, confusing and uncertain. And personally, I feel very blessed. I've been able to have a job. I've been able to um, have my health. And a lot of my friends and family are the same way, but there's just been this level of layer of just being grieved. And I know it just hasn't been easy to know how to respond. Maybe if we are giving, you know, there's just those instant reactions. Or maybe feeling like we can't say anything at all. Because we'll get attacked. You know, it it saddens me so much where I see people leave friendships that they've had for years because someone didn't agree with them completely and have their exact mantra. Like, mostly agree doesn't mean anything. The character of their friend that they've had for all these years all of a sudden has become meaningless. We can't get distracted with what's happening right in front of our face. We have to connect to the one. 
the one who does have that eternal promise, the one who's already foreseen all of this, who's not surprised, because he is going to give us the strength. He is going to give us the words to know how to be able to respond in love. You know, I talked about that the world will come after us, and the world comes after its own people. And so that's not a way that we should be responding. We should be responding in love, especially with one another. Because if we're attacking one another, how is that really going to effectively spread the love and message of Jesus Christ? Because if we can't get along, you know, what hope? What hope are we giving them? So I think our challenge is, as a global church body, can we rise up to the occasion? Can we show the world who God has called us to be? Can we bring hope despite our current situations? Can we speak life? Can we show the world who God has called the church to be? Will people know that we belong to Jesus by the way that we love? I really believe there's hope. And the main reason is because Jesus prayed for us. In John, he's doing this prayer and there's this point where he's praying specifically for the disciples. And then he goes on to here and he says, I do not pray for these alone, meaning the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us guys. That they all be one as you Father are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may know, that the world may believe that you sent me. God knew what was ahead of us. We didn't. But his call has always been for us to unite, to love one another, so that way we can effectively love people. And the things that have happened in our life that Maybe we feel like that our injustices or doesn't make sense. God already knew. And so he has prepared us to surround us with his people, to help us to move from that place of injustice to a place of victory. Because guys, he has conquered it all. We can walk with our heads held high. We can walk like we have love, like we have a promise and a hope. We can help be the changing factor in the world that surrounds us right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness, God. I thank you for creating a church family, Lord, that can be able to lift one another up. And as we unite, Lord, to be bold and be able to walk forward in the mission that you called us to do, and that is to reach your people your people, the people that you have died for. And no longer do we have to stay in a place of grievance or uncertainty. We can call out to you and trust you and listen to your words. Holy Spirit, give us the ability to walk boldly in those promises. Give us the ability to be able to be obedient to what our God has called us to do. God, you are so good. And I'm so grateful for the church family that you have provided, not just in this room and online, but globally, God. 
And as we reflect on us and begin to challenge those things in us, where we begin to love what you love and hate what you hate, we will be able to really communicate what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that we always continue to set our eyes upon you and not be distracted. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.